The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to extend a special welcome to members of our armed forces who are tuning in from remote locations around the world. Happy holidays to you and your families, and thank you for being with us again. My guest today is Academy Award-winning director Jonathan Demme, who not only introduced a new film this year, but has also agreed to pilot a new sci-fi thriller for AMC, something we're going to hear more about in today's program. Before Mr. Demme joins us, as is my custom each and every week, let me tell you a little about his background. Jonathan Demme was born in Baldwin, New York. Uh, When he was a teenager, his family moved to Miami. Uh, His first aspiration was to become a veterinarian, so he enrolled at the University of Florida as a chemistry major. But it didn't take long for Demi to alter his plans to pursue his first love, his ongoing love of film. Brave, cutting-edge, and deeply haunting films such as The Manchurian Candidate, Seven Days in May, and Dr. Strangelove left an indelible impression on the young Demi. His first stop was as a publicity writer for Joseph Levine. Uh, Then one day, while interviewing for a publicist position with Roger Corman, Corman asked Demi whether he could write a screenplay. And before Demi knew it, he said yes, and the rest is history. In 1991, Demi won Best Director for Silence of the Lambs, and he followed that up with the film Philadelphia, which earned Tom Hanks a Best Actor Award. Demi produced a remake of one of his childhood favorites, The Manchurian Candidate, and is responsible for Rachel Got Married, Beloved, and collaborated on three music documentaries with singer-songwriter Neil Young. He produced a documentary about Jimmy Carter called Man from Plains, And, well, let's just say Mr. Demi is one of the hardest-working producers today. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a master collaborator and storyteller, Mr. Jonathan Demi. Welcome to the program, Mr. Demi. Thank you very, very much. I'm exhausted from that that history you just spilled out. (laughs) Well, it makes us feel old, doesn't it? Thank God you only have to do one of those things at a time. Uh, that's that's correct. Uh, but I, I don't mind it, it. It kind of helps us to familiarize uh, um, the audience and also myself with your long, successful legacy. Um, let's let's start today with the film you and Wallace Shawn debuted at the Rome Film Festival uh The title is Fear of Falling, and it's a rendition of Ibsen's story, The Master Builder, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Um, and uh, it's a it's a piece that um, was directed. It was workshopped um, in New York for ten years 
um, with uh, Andre Gregory directing, the brilliant genius Andre Gregory directing, with Wallace Shawn in the lead as um, Solmus, the master builder. And um, Wally also did, he did the um, adaptation and he did the translation. And as he would be quick to tell you, though he doesn't speak Norwegian, um, he is, feels completely free to adapt the foreign language piece by sitting there with someone who does speak the language and having them read the original Norwegian to him, and then he'll decide how he's going to express that in English. Um, and Wally stayed very, very loyal um, to the Ibsen original piece with one kind of extraordinary exception. Um, he, he had um, soulness dying uh, on his deathbed for the first act of the film, which is not the case uh, in, the, in the original play. Solness, uh, uh, the central figure, is alive and kicking from the beginning until, well, until the tragic end. But Wally puts him on his deathbed, um, and there's a moment in the play when a young woman um, shows up looking for Solness, and they had encountered each other 10 years earlier. And um, uh, she's there for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and what Wally Shawn did was to, to make the arrival of the girl, uh, the young woman Hilda, um, be the beginning of Solness's death throes. And the rest of the play, staying very loyal, completely loyal to the text of Ibsen, is now this kind of, this, this last-minute fantasy flashing before the life of Solness before he expires. Now, for those people who don't remember Ibsen's tale, let's go back a little bit and talk about what the pro, what the tale is about. The, a master builder is aging, and he sees young protégés uh, coming on the heels of his profession. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And um, it's a play that uh, I mean, some people have said that I had never seen it. Um, I am not an Ibsen scholar. I learned a lot about Ibsen over the course of the last um, two years while working on this play, and um, it's been an extraordinary experience for me. I've, I'm one of the great learning experiences of my, um, my, my work life. Um, and apparently Ibsen, who was at the top of uh, uh, the game, he was it in Norway. Uh, and then Strindberg came along Yes, and started um, getting a lot of attention. And this kind of triggered um, this, this idea of creating a character, not a playwright, but an architect who is um, terrified of, uh, of being swept aside by the new generation. Yes, and I and, think that that's a normal feeling for someone who has become an expert or an artist to feel a little bit as though they might be usurped. Somehow their experience may not translate in the right way anymore. Right, right. Um, that's a, a, a thought. I mean, I, I know, I, I want to say that um, I'm not like that. Of course, I'm not a master builder, but uh, I, I sort of um, have, and I don't know if it's the parent that lurks within us and, and kind of teaches us to be thrilled and excited by what young people come up with. But I think especially with the dawning of the Internet, where um, you can look at YouTube and see kind of extraordinary little films um, uh, maybe they're only two or three minutes long or six minutes long, but made by people, by kids, 
who are sort of haven't been to film school, don't know anything about writing, but they have they 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 feel the medium, and they go ahead and they make a piece and they post it on YouTube, and sometimes it can be quite quite amazing. And I think that um, that really, for me, that just pushes my fascination and my enthusiasm for seeing work by new people. You have a reputation for mentoring people, for admiring new talent. Uh, this is why I thought this was an interesting choice as a project for you, particularly since the story is about someone who feels threatened and uh, and reacts to that threat. Well, the, I have to say this: you know, if, if, why not be um, uh, you know, completely candid on all fronts? This is a very, very personal kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm, um, I've been directing for forty years or so, mm-hmm. and um, you, you, you know, I, my tastes change in what I, what I want to direct. And, um, you know, I've always followed my enthusiasm um, as a filmmaker. I've, I've can say, you know, I, I, maybe they haven't turned out, you know, particularly well from time to time, but I've been very enthusiastic about any script that I've directed. Um, I've been very enthusiastic about any documentary that I've chosen to do. And I still have all this enthusiasm. I love to shoot now really more than ever before. Um, but what if my enthusiasms, and you always have to operate on the premise, of course, that, that, that you are, um, that if you are tremendously excited, if I am tremendously enthusiastic about something, so will others be. But what if your enthusiasm takes you a little too far afield and you, there's a dwindling amount of people who are enthusiastic <laughs> about the same thing you are. Then what happens? Um, so I, I think about that sometimes. Um, and I, cause I will, um, I can't say no, especially, um, with a, a documentary subject. I just can't say no to something that, uh, that, that strikes me as being, you know, worthy of, of, uh, emerging, emerging in. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a tricky thing. Well, uh, we have to take a short commercial break, but before we do, let me just simply say this. Your enthusiasm is contagious, and when a leader is enthusiastic, well, it's so infectious that everyone can't help but go along. So I think that that's been a big key to your success, and uh, I don't think I'd spend much time worrying that that enthusiasm's going away. Clearly, you're young at heart, and you embrace those with new ideas. So uh, that's always a good place to start. We're going to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to find out what Silence of the Lambs has in common with the Beloved. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today.
I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Sellers. Hi, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing well, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So I've got a question for you. What's the first impression a person has when they walk into the Caraccioli tasting room? You know, it's initially always the decor, and then it's one of those things where you sit down and you realize the wine's good too, so it becomes a complete experience. You get to experience not only the uh, great surroundings and the warm environment, but also some great wines for your palate. It's one of my favorite places to go in downtown Carmel. And I hope everyone listening to us today will take a moment to stop in because I think that they would really enjoy the experience that you've created. Well, thank you. And please do. We'd love to have you. We're open seven days a week. It's right on Dolores between Ocean and 7th and Carmel. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Join us at Severino's Bar and Grill for a Thanksgiving to remember. Serving the finest fresh food to make your Thanksgiving complete. This tantalizing buffet starts at 11.30 and goes till 5.30 p.m. It features juicy hand-carved turkey, honey-glazed ham, Angus tri-tip, succulent leg of lamb, award-winning clam chowder, desserts, and much more. This delectable feast is only $32 for adults, $16 for children 10 and under, and children under the age of 4 eat free. So book now. Call 831-688-8900. Hi, this is John from Central Coast Diamond Fusion and Window Cleaning. For nearly a decade, we've been keeping glass and other surfaces looking great, easier to clean, and resistant to damage. Central Coast Diamond Fusion coatings protect shower doors from staining, reduces cleaning time, eliminates the need to use harmful cleaning chemicals, and leaves a diamond-like finish. Our coatings also keep bathroom tiles, kitchen granite countertops, sinks, and toilets looking new and easy to clean. Central Coast Diamond Fusion can also restore most water-damaged shower glass and windows at a fraction of the cost of replacing them, which our own technicians have done at Stanford University the California Academy of Science in San Francisco, and Nike's World Campus. Central Coast Diamond Fusion and Window Cleaning, 831-475-6210 or visit www.diamondfusion.com for more information. Central Coast Diamond Fusion and Window Cleaning, 831-475-6210. No job, too small, free estimates are available. Have you ever watched a group of motorcycles roar on by and wonder, who are those guys? Where are they going? Well, now you can eavesdrop in on their biker world right here on KSCO 1080. A half hour of biker news, clues, and interviews with me, Biker Bob, and some of the motorcycling world's interesting celebrities. Biker Bob Radio on KSCO 1080. Don't miss Biker Bob Radio every Sunday at 3.30 right here on AM 1080 KSCO. Remember, that's Sunday at 3.30 on KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Academy Award-winning director, Mr. Jonathan Demme. And before the break, we were talking about the importance of the enthusiasm of a leader being authentic, because when it is, then it uh, over time, it forges a successful culture and an environment. Uh, so now, Mr. Demi, you and I, we share something in common. I, I was very haunted at an early age by the Manchurian candidate, um, particularly those those surreal garden club scenes. Uh, in fact, the entire idea of the, the power of the subconscious mind uh, probably had a lot to do with my interest in evolutionary biology. Um, so in preparing for our conversation today, I couldn't help but notice that the interplay between our highly evolved, logical, and civilized side 
and the remnants of prehistoric wiring, wiring that's responsible for territoriality, competition, aggression, um, th- that seemed to interest you. Can, can you speak on that for a moment? Yeah, um, and it's, you know, the, it's true about Manchurian Candidate. When that came out, um, I don't think we had ever seen a film like that. Never. I, never. I had never seen anything like it, and it was, it was worse than the worst horror film they could have made. Yeah, uh, it, it was just it was it was terrifying, electrifying, um, and there's Frank Sinatra in the middle of it all, and um, it's uh, you, know, you know it's it was a, a very um, exciting and challenging to to kind of go back to that because of course Richard Condon, uh, you know the 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 play was the, the book was written. Um, uh, as as a response to um, McCarthyism, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know this was this was Condon's uh, way of saying you know we've got to wake up we can't believe what we're being told, and uh, we can't believe our leaders. And um, uh, when it was reimagined uh, by Dan Pine <clears throat> with his you know I think terrific script um, uh, uh, more recently. Um, you know, it was. It became a challenge to like. Well, what? What? Um, uh, what? Now, what is the big threat? And uh, and the military-industrial complex struck um, Dan and everybody con- concerned as being something worth being afraid of mm-hmm. uh, again. And uh, so that that's where the story went that way. Um, and uh, you know, we do know that we do get brainwashed. Um, uh, whether whether we even believe uh, what we're being told or not, we can see how what we're being told is enough often for governments to act the way they want to. Um, so um, you have um, there was that wonderful uh, word that was I think was kind of coined by someone who I can't remember alas, but but the whole idea of, of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, mm-hmm. um, the Bush administration believed that 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 they had uh, weapons of mass destruction. They believed it so fiercely that it became virtually true. It was it was uh, virtuality. I think was the uh, the word that was coined. Now, if you believe something hard enough, it it might as well be real. It is real. The effect of it is real. So um, you know, it's kind of an amazing thing. So we know about brainwashing. And we know we're brainwashed, um, but... Uh, but, you know, I, I argue that's just a consequence of complexity. I mean, even the chairman of Google, Eric Schmidt, says we're generating as much information every 48 hours as we have since the dawn of humankind, the year 2003. You know, in that environment, how can you possibly... I mean, if we're creating as much knowledge... As the dawn of humankind to 2003, every two days, how can you really get to facts? I mean, isn't everything eventually subject uh, subject to just a belief? Well, but Rebecca, you said we're generating all this knowledge. We're generating, you know, data, mm-hmm. information, which may or may not be true. And I mean, even when you think of Google, I mean, I think one of the, the shocking, uh, most shocking things of the past 10 years, and it's never landed in the way that I thought it, it, it should have here in America was the way that Google was fine with having Google in China erase all references to Tiananmen Square and, and sanitize mm-hmm. Chinese 
industry. So is that knowledge when, when that kind of stuff is generated? Is that really knowledge? Um, well, it's a good point. You're saying that if we permit censorship, then what are we doing to the combined collective knowledge that we have? Yeah. Um, I mean, what's great is for sure there's more, there's information available from more diverse sources uh, today. But how, how do we know if it's, if it's knowledge or not? How do we know, if, uh, how do we test the veracity of it? Well, if um, we can't test the veracity of it, and I would argue that on a sheer volume basis, the, our brains are not equipped to test veracity any longer. And in an absence of being able to test that, uh, you're kind of subject, whether you're a leader of a nation or you're just a person on Main Street, you're kind of subject to making your decisions off of unproven beliefs, aren't you? Yes. Um, yes, indeed. Yes. And it creates a predatory environment. Uh, how can you avoid it? Um, do you have to rely more and more and more on quote unquote instinct and, and, and gut reactions and things? My gut tells me that this information is real. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mean, and, and, and you know what, that, that's, that's such a dangerous area for me because our instincts always lag behind because evolution is slow. So those instincts that served our ancient ancestors uh, and, and on which their survival was dependent are not necessarily so helpful. For example, in earlier times, uh, you know, being attracted to high-calorie foods may have been a matter of life or death, the ability to distinguish a high-calorie food from a low-calorie food. Now there's a donut in every corner. Those of us that were born with those instincts, it, it, it's not such a great thing. <laughs> terrifying. Now there's some truth for you, honestly. That's terrifying. and My gut tells me you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the, the, the I'm, I'm thinking that uh, uh, a name keeps coming to me as, as, I, as I listen to you, and it's it's someone who, who you may well have spoken with on the Costa Report. Have, have you spoken with Stuart Brand? Yes, uh -huh, of course. And, and I'm a big fan of Stuart's work, and we laugh about this, you know, because the fact is your instincts and your intuition are always going to lag behind the in, the changes to the environment, particularly now when that, ch that rate of change, the velocity of change is accelerating. It's very hard to keep up. What I'm fascinated by is this juxtapositioning that you frequently do. Uh, we'll just take Hannibal Lecter because a lot of listeners know Hannibal Lecter. Uh, you said you had the worst of us cannibalism and savagery uh, juxtaposed against a man with exquisite artistic taste and uh, you know uh, literary taste, knowledgeable, uh, very sophisticated. I, I loved that contrast because I think that lives within each of us. Sure. Oh, well, I agree. And I, but I mean, um, you can, you can get all the culture and and all the fine manners and what have you, but you're still a human being. And I, I mean, I, I sort of feel like at the, at the risk of sounding, you know, not not you know, pessimistic or cynical. But here's the one thing I sort of have feel uh, uh, I feel that I've really come to the conclusion of one thing I know for sure after all these years on the planet is that wherever human beings show up. Things are going to get screwed up. Okay, well, we have to take another commercial break because I don't want to screw up. So we're going to take another commercial break. We'll be right back with Jonathan Debbie. You're listening to the Costa Report.
love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. Folks, Mike Lawson here at Santa Cruz Electronics, where doing it yourself is going to a whole new level. Just witnessed cutting-edge technology CNC milling machine. John Bowers, what does this machine do? It whittles away material from whatever it is you're working with and uh, removes everything until you get to the shape of the part that you want. Just saw John mill out his own wrench from a chunk of material. He put a computer program in, turned the machine on. The machine said, yes, John, here's your wrench. This is a game changer technology. It certainly is. It actually allows oh, you and I and other folks to uh, be able to do small-scale manufacturing uh, right out of their garage. Come down here to Santa Cruz Electronics on Soquel Avenue and get a demonstration learn how to do it. It's uh, great fun and can be rewarding, too. Come and look at it right here at Santa Cruz Electronics, 2808 Soquel Avenue. It's a CNC milling machine. Dream up a widget in the morning and have it done in the afternoon and put it on eBay at night. Just like that, right, John? You bet. Hi, everyone. This is Kay Swirling. MZ and I are quite proud of the station you're listening to. Quite frequently, I meet people who express their appreciation for KSCO, one of the few remaining independent, locally owned radio voices left in our country. Of course, this is gratifying, but it's very important that you understand and keep in mind that KSCO is made possible by three things. Advertising sales, book, hat, bag, and other KSEO gear sales, and in particular, longevity health product sales. You see, every time somebody in our audience purchases longevity products such as Beyond Tangy Tangerine or the Healthy Start Pack, that person is directly supporting our operation and making it possible for us to continue to serve our community. We feel good about recommending these products because they are of the highest quality and they do work. I know because I take these products every day and I can enthusiastically vouch for their goodness and effectiveness. I first heard Dr. Wallach's message about taking charge of your health through nutrition nearly 20 years ago. I strongly believe in nutritional supplementation over toxic prescription drugs and invite you to help yourself and help KSCO and KOMY by trying and using these products as I do. Visit kscoteam.com or kscohealth.com or call one of your local longevity distributors. For KSCO and KOMY, this is Kay Swirling. 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is director Jonathan Demme, who was saying that history has pretty much proven that whenever humans show up, there's bound to be trouble. So now let's talk about non-humans showing up. Uh, There's a lot of buzz about this new thriller you're shooting for AMC called Line of Sight. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what drew you to that project? Yeah, well, what drew me to the project was an amazing script um, written by Blake Masters. Um, And uh, it's it's, uh, the story in a nutshell um, is that um, there's a plane crash. Uh, very, very early in the, er- in the early moments, in the early minutes of the, of the piece. And um, three men on board survive, and they survive virtually untouched. They're, they're as, as, they, as they're told again and again, they're, they're fine, whereas two of the other men were, were hideously microwaved, as, as it's put, even though the plane didn't um, burn. And the sixth man, they're all going on a hunting trip, is simply missing. And now this story kind of takes us into what happens in the lives of these three survivors when they try to re-enter uh, uh, their old lives. And we, we can see immediately that they've been affected um, in certain subtle ways that become more and more pronounced as the story unfolds. Um, one kind of becomes a basket case. Another one starts having brilliant ideas and behaving in a completely he's a, kind of a shy, low-key guy, and now he's he doesn't have delusions of grandeur. He has he has actualities of grandeur, and um, the central figure um, Lewis um, is of course terrified that he is responsible for the death of the missing man, and it's set in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, uh, that, that, that great underexplored American city. And um, it's just, it's a riveting, riveting piece. It's, I, I, I describe it as a, as a you know, character-driven, it's not sci-fi. Um, what happened to that plane? Um, why have there been many other plane crashes on exactly the date of this crash, on, on 10-22, and one other day, March 16th? Why is that? And who are these people that kind of show up briefly from time to time and, and address our protagonists with a, but may or may not be some kind of code by saying, can you see? And it's just great stuff. You know, I love suspense. Um, mm-hmm. I love rich characters. Um, we've got a fantastic cast. And I've got uh, very, very high hopes for this piece. Now, the big twist, of course, is the protagonist is an investigator, as I understand it, for the National Transportation Safety Board. And so he begins an investigation. Is that right? It's true. A a crash investigator now survives a crash and and is kind of confronted with this impossible crash. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the the incredibly exciting things about about working in, in long form television today especially at places like AMC that, that uh, kind of pioneered um, uh, putting on display you know, just how many riches can be mined when you tell a, an, a, an ongoing, in-deep story via uh, Breaking Bad and, and Mad Men. Um, it's great because it, it's sort of like, you know, I was, I was um, trained growing up that you, 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 you cram your story. Uh, cram sounds negative. You you fit your story into the two-hour format, mm-hmm. even better, 90-minute format. 
Um, maybe sometimes you get to go a little longer than that, but, but you compress the story, and there's this tremendous sort of intensification. Now, now along comes television and Breaking Bad and The Sopranos and uh, hopefully Line of Sight, and now you can stretch out, and, and your, your story can take not two hours. It can take... 12 hours or 17 times 12 hours if it hits the jackpot and stays on the air for seven years. So this is really, really a, a very, very exciting moment, I think, for, for directors, for actors to, to develop characters in a really long-range plan um, and for writers um, to explore. You know, you, you can do a lot of finessing over the course of, of seven years of a, of a great series. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very exciting. I, I find myself thinking... You know, if you're a filmmaker, you, you can't help it. You you read a book or you read a review of a book or you read a story in the newspaper and you go like, that could be a film. Um, but now now the, the, the thing, the dynamic is like, that could be a film, but, but wait a minute. It could also be a series. It could mm-hmm. really, if it's worth going to that, to that story, why not go for a long time? Uh, series are wonderful because you can see that the directors and the producers are able to pace the story a little bit differently. Sometimes it's paced really, really quickly. But then uh, I'm I'm a big fan of when it slows down because the slowing down is almost a a, a gentle way to give emphasis. And uh, and it seems like when you're really trying to, as you say, cram the story in, you really don't get that pacing. Everything is sort of the same. It's it's almost like listening to an album that has the same drum beat every moment on every song. Well, yeah, because we're, we're we're we are programmed to um, pro- provide our attention to a movie for approximately ninety to one hundred and twenty-two. Uh, minutes. That's just we're we're programmed for that. And you know what the phrase that's used when when you meet and discuss these um, the long form TV, it's it's always talked about as the novelistic approach to storytelling. And I love reading. I love novels. So there is kind of this theoretical great marriage between cinema because they also want it to be very cinematic, and we do too. We the viewers. Uh, so it's this, this kind of delicious fusion potentially between cinema and the novel. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the thing I can't stand the most is watching a movie on TV or watching a film and knowing that all the details now of this thriller plot have to be brought together, and it's going to be brought together in terms of someone being in a coma or an unknown twin is discovered. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, I honestly, I'm just going to stand up in a theater and scream the next time that happens. <laughs> uh, now, AMC, curiously, has been billing this as a foray into sci-fi, but you say no? Well, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think the character elements, yes. Um, uh, the, 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 the science fiction, or, or is it science fiction? We don't really know for sure if it's science fiction or is it... Or is it spiritual fiction? Or is it a fusion of, of spiritual and science fiction? And is that because the protagonists are already uh, under a great deal of stress and they're having hallucinations, delusions? Are, are you bringing us as an audience into their world so that we're not necessarily able to tell what they find that's factual and maybe what's not? Well, as the, as the, as the piece starts out, um, we're, really just, we're confronted more than anything, with this kind of conundrum, this, this, this plane crash. Um, half the people survive, 
half didn't. The half that didn't, um, uh, again, they use the phrase microwave. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan doesn't appear to be, uh, the, cra- the crash site where it's discovered may or may not be the original crash site. There's three missing A's. Um, so there's a lot of kind of visit, a, a, you know, really intense detective work, investigative detective work has to be, be waged in this. And I love the fact that, that um, our character, Louis Burnt, um, that is played by the wonderful, wonderful David Morrissey, um, he's, he's in that situation where, as you said, he's a, he himself is a, a crash investigator, and he's off the case on this crash because he was involved in it. Um, and and the crash itself may hold the answers to not just you know what caused the death of his friends, the disappearance of his friend who I forgot to mention, and this isn't a giveaway. Uh, it's it's something we learned in the early moments at the very top of the show. Um, we discovered that Lewis's wife Dot um, is having an affair with with a pilot who happens to be the pilot of the plane that crashes, and he's the one that's missing. Mm. It, Kill him, but the science fiction will definitely. You know, if that comes into play, like this is an impossible plane crash. That's and, right, and so there has to be an explanation that might be supernatural in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and which, 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 see, when you say supernatural, of course, that moves away from science fiction. Um, it's it's phenomenal, phenomenalistic fiction. I think is kind of like the if there's such a category. I think uh, there should be. Now we have to take our last break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with Jonathan Demi. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But something you may not know is that Dr. King was represented by the world's foremost speaking agency, the American Program Bureau. The American Program Bureau has a courageous history of representing luminaries, entertainers, and motivators from all backgrounds. From Ronald Reagan, Richard Branson, and Mikhail Gorbachev, to John Stewart, Michael Douglas, and Desmond Tutu. From A-list celebrities to best-selling authors, cutting-edge business leaders, and the greatest minds in academia, the American Program Bureau has speakers to fit every venue and every budget. When corporations, conferences, schools, and community organizations need an expert speaker, they turn to the American Program Bureau to 
help them craft an event that will be remembered long afterwards. To inquire about a speaker for your next engagement, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or visit our website at apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. It's time for family fun. CYT Santa Cruz presents Seussical Junior, starring 40 students in this delightful, colorful musical based on Dr. Seuss's finest works. Come enjoy The Cat in the Hat, Thing 1 and 2, Horton and the Who's, and more in this heartwarming musical. Seussical Junior, performing at the Loudon Nelson Community Center. Shows open Friday, November 15th at 7 o'clock and runs weekends through Sunday, November 24th. Please purchase your tickets at www.cytsantacruz.org. Here's an important message from MZ. As you know, we at KSCO KOMY have the most intelligent audience in all of radio. By design, because we do not allow stupid people to listen to either station. It is our goal to not only have the most intelligent audience in radio, but the healthiest audience as well. That is why we strongly promote 90 for Life Longevity Health products, the Healthy Body Start Pack, and Beyond Tangy Tangerine in particular. These products are available during business hours at KSCO Studios at 2300 Portola Drive, Santa Cruz, frequently in conjunction with valuable promotions such as Kay's Book, KSCO Hats, Tote Bags, and Bumper Stickers. Now, because we want to make it easier than ever for members of our audience to become and stay healthy, we are looking for 12 retail businesses within our KSCO coverage area to partner with us in our Optimal Health Quest promotion. If you own a business or know someone who owns a business and would like to participate in KSEO's Get Everyone Healthy program and thereby receive advertising incentives and start to build a powerful revenue stream, send an email to me, mz at kseo.com, with the words health promotion in the subject line. Tell me about your business, and I will personally get back to you ASAP. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Jonathan Demme. And we were just speaking about the new pilot you're working on for AMC called Line of Sight. Um, do you have some idea when the pilot will air? Hopefully in the spring. In the springtime. Boy, that's, you know, that's creating a, a great movie fast. <laughs> uh, but, you know, along with that comes a lot of energy and a lot of fun as well. Now, um, switching gears for just a moment, early on in your career, um, you admit that uh, – you know, you weren't afraid to fail. I mean, you went after pretty much every job that uh, was offered to you, even though you hadn't done them and you had no experience. The first screenwriting job you were offered, you just said yes and went off and figured out how to do that. And uh, I've seen this attribute in a number of very successful people. Um, they make friends with failure early on in life. So given that context, was there ever an opportunity that you passed up because of fear? Um, you know, I, I'm subject to fear of problems with individuals already involved in a project, uh, leading to something disastrous happening. Um, uh, and well, give us an example. That's pretty vague. What, what, what do you mean? Like someone has already started a film and asked you to take it over? You mean? No, no. Like you, you know, you're offered a film to direct and you go to meet. Um, the star Goldie Hawn and her team 
and your gut tells you that there could be a problem here down the road. But on the other hand, you love Goldie. And you <laughs> about so you yeah. talked yourself out of that gut feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. You know what? That little voice, that tiny little voice in you that says, this could be a problem. I, I, I still haven't learned that entirely, but it's, it's advice that I quickly give anyone who, who comes and says, you know, I really love to do this project, and I love the script, and da-da, but I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with the producer. I'm, I'm a little worried about how the producer is behaving in this way and stuff, and I'm always like, get the hell out of there. Don't go there. Because uh, it's, it, there is a manifest destiny, I think, in, in these situations. You know, it, it really requires a tremendous um, effort to, to get along. Um, and you need to have the seeds of, of, of getting alongness, you know, in place before you can even make that effort to sustain get along. You're all under such tremendous collective pressure when you're making a movie or doing a TV show. You, your dependence on each other is just enormous. And, um, you know, if, 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 there's a, if something tells you that that's not a team player over there, um, they're not going to be, in my experience, and don't go there. And it's also, you know, a thing where um, uh, another truism that I sort of feel like I've, I've discovered after, after, you know, four decades working in, in the motion picture business is, and I tell this to people, too, is that, you know, when something that tempts you tremendously um, is is something we choose to pass on um, because of fear of, of bad relationships, or if you don't get the the opportunity after all, um, it really does pave the way for something even more exciting to come along, a better fit. And I, that's happened in my life time and time again. I've had my disappointments, and the next thing I knew, I was in something so exciting that I found myself thinking, thank God I didn't do that one. Well, it's very true. In the physical world, there are no natural vacuums. I mean, a minute the vacuum occurs, something gets sucked into it. So uh, uh, from that uh, respect, you're absolutely right. It, there, When something doesn't occur or, or something leaves you, it leaves space. Uh, and, uh, and as far as that uh, little intuitive warning or voice that you get, uh, which so often, I mean, all of us listening have talked to ourselves out of it. We've met somebody and said, I think they're dishonest. And then said, well, wait a minute, I don't really know them. I should get to know them. And how many of us two years later were kicking ourselves saying, I knew that person was a liar. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, all, everybody's had that experience where the hair on the back of your neck stood up. and uh, and. But, you know, it was interesting. My grandfather, uh, very long ago, uh, he sat me down when I was starting my own company. And, uh, and he said, you're only going to run into two types of problems on any job. And I thought, two, that makes it easy. And he said, uh, he said, people that have behavioral problems or people that have skill problems. And he said, don't hire the ones with the behavioral problems because their grandma, their mom left them in diapers too long. You're not going to be able to fix that. (laughs) I I thought it was wonderful. And and I thought, well, that makes my my job very easy. I just have to find people who need additional skill and mentor them and give them the support they need. And uh, and I'll tell you, there was something so wise about such a simple concept. 
and uh, and I've never forgotten it. Now, before we let you go, where can listeners go to get information about uh, fear of falling and also line of sight? Do you have a website? Um, there, I'm sure there's a website up now on line of sight. Um, uh, fear of falling is a it's a, a, a project that has been in the works. Um, we we waited eight months uh, for the editor that we wanted to do it. It's a it's a, a self-financed labor of love. We weren't in a hurry. We wanted to do it right. Suddenly we were invited to the Roman and National Film Festival where, by the way, we had an extraordinary uh, positive uh, reception. And I'm not sure that we've gotten around to getting our website going. Um, so when will the film be available here in the United States? Because I'm, I'm kind of jealous that uh, people in Rome got to see it. <laughs> Thank you for that emotion. Um, you know, it, it will be showing up sometime in 2014, and probably not in the first half. We've only just started because we've only just finished it. Uh, we suddenly raced to finish it up so we could go to Rome. So we've only just literally this week started um, showing it to distributors and stuff. So. Well, I will say that you certainly created a lot of buzz, and we're looking forward to seeing it here in the United States. That is all the time that we've got today. But before we say goodbye, I want to congratulate you on your new series and your new film. Thank you, Mr. Demi. Great, great, great talking to you, Rebecca. Thanks a million. Mm -hmm. Come back soon. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or a comment you'd like to make about today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or send me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and let me know what you thought about our conversation with Jonathan Demme today. In fact... Let's do one better than that. Let's put a question out there so we can take a little poll. Of all the guests that we've had on the program this year, and we've had a lot of great guests, uh, who's been your favorite? If you don't remember them all, you can go to our webpage at RebeccaCosta.com and and browse through them for the past year. And and when you do, I think you're going to see that we've had an all-star lineup in 2013. It's not going to be that easy to pick a favorite. But if you have one, let us know on Facebook or Twitter, and uh, we'll try and bring that guest back again next year. I also want to take a moment to thank listeners who have put the Watchman's Rattle on their Christmas list and who have been ordering autographed copies from our website. Uh, my follow-on book is going to be out this spring, so if you haven't read the Watchman's Rattle, go get it now. It makes a great holiday read. Uh, this is the only book that spells out the three earliest signs to watch for prior to collapse, and I want you to know what they are. So uh, you have something to do something. I mean, if you know what they are, then you can go do something about that. So go to RebeccaCosta.com right now and and put your book order in. Uh, Do it while we still have the free holiday shopping and you can get a custom inscription at no extra cost. I'll be taking next week off to spend time with my family. So the station in your area will be rebroadcasting our recent interview with antivirus software pioneer John McAfee. He had a lot to say about how our right to privacy is being attacked. So I hope you'll tune in and hear what he has up his sleeve as a possible solution. And the following week, uh, we'll be back with former governor of California and United States Senator Pete Wilson. 
who's going to weigh in on the current health care debacle and what we can do to avoid another government shutdown early next year. As many of you listening know, um, we did get a reprieve on that deadly fiscal cliff, but uh, we're going to be right back to arguing about it at the end of January, maybe not even that long of a period of time. We didn't kick the can too far down the road. In fact, the amount of road to kick the can down is getting shorter and shorter, and we uh, it's safe to say we're headed toward a cul-de-sac where there is no more road. So uh, Pete Wilson will be with us, uh, who, as you know, is a fiscal conservative. He'll be here to weigh in on that and to help us try to understand what can be done to get us uh, on the track to financial health. It's going to be interesting to hear from someone who is now looking at government from the outside in. And uh, as many of you that have been emailing me have said, you want more of those opinions on the air um, as opposed to only from the inside of government. And so uh, our producers have made a point of reaching out and getting some former governors, some former senators to look back and uh, perhaps give us some good advice Uh, and uh, put us back on a good course to uh, financial health. Now stay tuned for the second hour of Straight Talk Radio following these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 